<laughs> yes, great song to prepare us for the word tonight. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we might see you, that we might see what you have for us. Let that be our, not only our song, but our prayer even now, that God, by his Holy Spirit, would just open our hearts and open our eyes and open our understanding to see his word for how it affects and and, and it touches our lives and calls us in moving forward to bring glory and honor to Him. I'm so glad to see you here tonight on this Wednesday night as we've gathered together to worship God and to study His Word. Isn't that a great thing to know that we've got life tonight, that we're able to be here? And, uh, and, and I know some of you probably had some challenges so far uh, today, uh, but you didn't let the challenges keep you out of the house of God. I just go ahead and say, Lord, bless them big time. Bless for every effort, Lord God, that was made to get here tonight. For you who are tuning in, we pray God's blessings and favor on you. And uh, we say if you're ever here in the Hampton Roads area, if you're uh, outside of this area, come visit us. These are some of the sweetest, most wonderful people I've ever met on planet Earth. So how about let's give everybody tuning in a warm welcome. Amen. Now you come on in and get a hug or a handshake or a high five some, from some of these folks. And if you don't know it, some of these folks may invite you home to dinner and treat you, treat you to a great uh, southern meal as well. Anybody in here cook southern style? Anybody in here? Does anybody in here cook? <laughs> wow, praise the Lord. Well, we just thank you for being here tonight. And we just want to go to the Lord in prayer now. And uh, as we prepare our hearts to study his word. Father, God, we thank you. You're so good. You are better to us than we deserve. Lord, we owe you everything. You so loved us, you gave us your only begotten son. You died and shed your blood, Jesus, for our sins so that our sin debt may be paid in full, that we could stand as the righteousness of God. We could stand reconciled to our Heavenly Father. We could stand no longer under condemnation, no longer under judgment, but redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That we can stand here tonight full of your spirit, Lord God, spirit of life, spirit of holiness, spirit of truth, spirit of power. Lord God, that we can go forth fulfilling your purpose and destiny for our lives in such a way that brings glory and honor to you and fills us with great joy. What an amazing life you've given to us. So, Lord, we come excited tonight to study your word because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. And every step that we take, we want to walk in the truth and the light of your word. So, Holy Spirit, remove any barriers, remove any blinders, remove any muffles, anything that would hinder us from hearing or seeing or understanding your word. Let the seed of your word go into good soil tonight in our lives that it can bear fruit, yes, much fruit, 30, 60, or 100 fold. To you be the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said a big hearty. Amen. Amen. I know it's probably too late for you to drink coffee, so tap into your adrenaline. you got something in there that you can tap into. We are here to study God's Word, how exciting that is, especially the season that we are in right now. This coming Sunday... Believe it or not, it's the beginning of Rosh Hashanah 2019, a brand new year that God has given to us. So we're here tonight as we're leading up to Sunday, a season that God set up, a time that God set up, a Moedim, a time that he says that he set for himself and his people that we could meet together for special times of celebration and for remembering and for preparation and going forward. So it is one of the most amazing times of the year as we look at that preparing for this new season. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19, and I want to declare that tonight. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. God says, I will do something new. I'm talking to somebody here tonight, the Spirit of God, as I quote God himself, is saying to you, don't you be 
fretting over the past. Don't you be mourning over the past. I've got something new for you. I've got something great for you. I've got something prepared ahead for you. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. You may be in a dry place, but the Lord says, I'll make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert I will send. I'm doing something new. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And I take this word to be so emphasized, megaphoned on this evening as we are preparing just days out from the Feast of Trumpets from Rosh Hashanah as God is starting a new year. It's when God sets up to start the new year and it will turn into year 5780, 5,780 years since the creation of this earth. And, uh, you know, here at Christian Embassy, a lot of people say, aren't you Christian? Are, are you? I didn't know we were Jewish. Let me tell you what. If you will read the first half of the Bible, you will find out the very foundation that God has given to us is through a, a, a people and through a tribe and through a nation that he raised up from, from a promise that he made in giving us the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are shadows and there are foreshadowing and there are signs and there is so much all through the Old Testament prophetically pointing to the Messiah in Jesus coming and fulfilling and yet to fulfill some of the things that have been promised unto us. So let's just do a little quick review of the seven feasts that are of the Lord. And God says that these are feasts that are His. And as we've got right here, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. And the reality, however, is found in Christ. He tells us in Colossians 2.17. So everything about this, we find our reality of it in Christ Jesus. Now, if you understand these, they're broken up into two segments of the, of the time of a year. And the first one is the springtime of the year. And in the spring feast, we see there's the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of first fruits, and the fruit Feast of Pentecost. And we see that these have been fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. When He came, He was the Passover Lamb. We know as the Passover lamb and that blood that was over the doorpost and the lentil that would bring salvation to that household is what Jesus came and hung up on a cross and shed his blood, being the Passover lamb. He was the unleavened bread, for he shed sinless blood so that he could pay off our sinful account. We know also he was the first fruit, because as the first fruit feast was about that which came up first and had many to follow, we see Jesus was the first fruit, firstborn, first first come from the grave, resurrected on the third day. And it's no coincidence that Jesus was crucified on the very same time that the high priests were taking and slaughtering the Passover lamb. While those lambs' blood was being shed, the lamb of God's blood was being shed. Jesus was buried and on the third day, which was the same time of the celebration of the Feast of First Fruits, while they're celebrating First Fruits, Jesus is resurrected, the first fruits from the grave, so that you and I have the promise that there ain't no grave going to keep our body down. That the Bible tells us that this body may be buried in the ground, but there's coming a, a trumpet call of God that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And as Jesus' body was glorified, our bodies will be glorified as well. But the good news is, the moment you take your last breath in this body, you take your first breath in the presence of the Lord. You don't go in a holding tank and you don't go to sleep. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but there will be a reunifying factor where God raises up even these bodies. He has a purpose for these bodies to be glorified and united throughout eternity. And then, 50 days later, was the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit of God that was promised came and filled those who were in the upper room. They were filled with the Spirit of God. They were filled with the power of God. They were filled with the wisdom of God. They were filled with the anointing of God. And the Bible says that the church was birthed. That's our birthday. So our birthday is a day of power by the Holy Ghost. A day of anointing being manifest. So let us not become a dead group. We have to be alive because that is what we were birthed into. 
And now we're in this green period. I've got up there that church age. That's where we're at now. But the Bible says that there is coming one day in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be a trumpet sound. There's going to be a trumpet sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with the Lord. The Bible says that which is hindering the Antichrist will be removed, and when it's removed, then the Antichrist is going to spread like a disease on this earth, bringing judgment like we've never seen. Uh, But the good news is the church has been removed. The church has been raptured up. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, then there's coming that time where the atonement, the Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur, where Jesus is coming back that second time and he's coming to atone this earth. He's not giving it over to the devil. And then he's going to set up their tabernacle with us. That, that millennial reign of Christ is going to be set up. That messianic kingdom is going to be set up even on this renewed earth. And there is the Feast of Tabernacles. All of these fall feasts have not yet been fulfilled. But I'm telling you, exactly as the spring feast pointed with detail what was coming, and Jesus came and fulfilled everyone. The same is true with the fall feast, that as they're pointing to what Jesus is yet going to do, we will see it fulfilled point by point, detail by detail. What an amazing future we have. And we see through it all that God and His people win. We've read the end of the book and we're winners. Hallelujah. So let us step into that victory realm even tonight. Even tonight. But I want us to look tonight at that first of the fall feasts, that Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, because it actually begins this Sunday at sundown, and we'll go to Tuesday at sundown, as we celebrate the year 5,780. It is the new year in the way God counts years, okay? So uh, I've said it so many times, Rosh Hashanah, it sets the thermostat for the new year. So we we are going to not take what comes to us, but as a people of faith, we can prepare and, and, and by faith set an atmosphere by which this new year that we go into, this new season that God is creating for us, that we can walk into it by faith and see the supernatural, miraculous manifest of God on every side. Now, it is God's plan for the new year. Uh, we know here in America, you know, our new year started January. But we know even here, there are many examples of new years. We just started here in September a new school year, right? So we understand that. Many businesses have different fiscal years, which they start uh, at a different time in the year. It's not January. It's not an annual year that they do. So we understand the concept of having new years uh, that don't fall on January 1. So in Judaism, we see Nisan 1, they too had New Year's. Nisan 1, which would be their first month, is the purpose that they count from counting the reign of kings. So if you study in the Old Testament, when this king came in and when that king came in, and this year and this year and this year, that would be counted from Nisan 1 to Nisan 1. Now in Elul 1, that is uh, around August, that period of time, In the Bible, it talks about being a new year for tithing animals. So uh, as we see in the Old Testament, most of the the value of what you had was not money in a bank. It was not investments out there. It was property and it was animals. So in giving them a, a way to count the year, knowing when the new year would begin in their tithing of animals, that was based in the Old Testament in the year of in the month of El. Uh, then there was uh, Shavat. Shavat 15, comes around February, was the new year for trees because they were agricultural people and, and they had harvests that would come in, fruit that would come in, and uh, so they would count that according to that. But when it got to Tishrei uh, 1, which was their seventh month, that was the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, the new year, which they would increase years, just like In January 1, we'll go here to 2020. Can you believe that? We'll be in 2020. I remember when it was still Y2K, and uh, now that's been 20 years ago. Wow, 
Anybody remember Y2K? The whole world was going to shut down, right? How many of you sat there biting your nails and saying, oh, we were having a New Year's Eve service uh, with joint together with other churches. I'd pulled it together and we were in a school, I think, uh, auditorium that we had rented and pulled about three or four churches together. And we said, if the light goes out, then we'll worship God in the dark. If we get raptured, we'll just take off. We already got a head start. Whatever's going to happen, we're going to be together, the people of God. And uh, we had a great turnout I remember, and nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. But uh, so, but it's January 1, we advance our calendar for the new year. But here at Rosh Hashanah, we will advance at, uh, the calendar year of God, which is saying from creation, the earth has been created now 5,780 years. And uh, so we look at Rosh Hashanah as this day of remembrance a day of sounding the shofar. It's the Feast of Trumpets. It is, it is the sounding of the shofar. And some people say, why is the shofar sounded? Uh, well, there was many reasons they would use the shofar. They had a certain sound of the shofar that would call the people to warfare. It's time to come. The enemy is coming against us. We've got to do warfare. There was another sound that it would make, and it's time for worship. God is to be uh, exalted and lifted up on high. And He desires that we do it together in concert. So the shofar would have a sound for worship. There's also a time of the shofar would sound when there was a time to, to move on, to walk on. Uh, as they were under the cloud by day and the pillar fire by night, the 40 years in the wilderness, they would hear the sound of the shofar and it would say, it's time to pack up. God's moving. The cloud's moving. The pillar fire's moving. And if we're going to stay with God, we've got to walk with God. So, so there are many things that the shofar uh, that would be used for. Also in the Feast of Trumpets, we would see that the shofar would be sounded in days leading up to uh, Rosh Hashanah, telling the people the, day, the new year is coming. The new year is coming. Make right anything that's not right from the old year. Go ahead and tie up loose ends. It's time to get ready, get ready for God to propel us into a whole new year, a whole new season. And the sounding of the trumpet or the shofar would do that. And it was called the Feast of Trumpets. It's also a, a feast time that comes for celebration because it's celebrating the creator of all creation, saying that we are counting the years from when God created the earth. And, we're, and that's why they count that uh, down to 5780 now, according to their records. So they're preparing for the new year and celebrating what God has done up till this time. So they knew that Rosh Hashanah was marked by God through their history that it was a time where fresh anointing was poured out from heaven on God's people. I don't know about you, but I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. I'm like, Lord, I, I'm ready for a fresh anointing poured out by you. Anybody? Anybody? Hallelujah. He, he anoints us with fresh oil for the new year. Some of you, make sure you change the oil in your car. You're going on a trip. You get the oil changed. You, you want to keep that car fresh and run as long as you can. So you periodically, every 3,000 miles, you're making sure the oil is being changed and, and, uh, so that you can keep going. You, I don't know about you, but I just feel so much better. I'm going on this long trip, and I just got my oil changed, my tires checked, everything lubed. It's ready to go. I feel like, let me tell you, I'm, I've come to God, and I, I don't need a jiffy lube, okay? I go to Christian Embassy right here on this Wednesday night, and I say, God, grease me up, okay? Fill, change the oil in me, Lord. If there's any uh, uh, bearings in me that is maybe getting a little grit in them, Lord, let's change the oil, the grease there. I know you've got great things in this coming year for me. You've got great things coming up for my family. And Lord, I don't want anything to hinder it. I don't want anything to slow it down. I don't want anything to cause friction from going into all that you have for us. Hallelujah. Uh, but there's another aspect to Rosh Hashanah that intrigues me. And, and that is, you know, we, we study all these times and seasons that God has set up. And it's just kind of, in a way, odd that He chooses the seventh month 
to begin the Hebrew calendar uh, with this month of Tishrei uh, rather than the first month of Nisan. You know, it just, he's like, God, why do you do that? And uh, he makes the head of the new year seven months in rather than the first month of Nisan. And, And if you take that question to heart, I believe it can literally change your life. It has mine. You see, Rosh Hashanah commemorates something much deeper than the rhythm of a calendar. It commemorates the actual creation of the world. It commemorates the God who created us in His image, and He is a God to be celebrated as a God of creativity, and thus He's created us with creativity. So it's the celebration of the creation of all creation, or the creator of all creation, who gives us His divine nature, creativity. Now let me speak to you just for a few moments about this. I believe this is a game changer. Why? Because it offers us the reminder of the blueprint for how to renew our lives. When we try to heal from things like loneliness or depression or trauma or uh, other negative things, forces that have come against us, you know, it's, it's, it's usually our focus is on renewing ourselves. Uh, when we lose a family member and, or when our a marriage breaks up or we have had a loss of a job or something like that, uh, we talk about renewing ourselves. Uh, a new beginning gives us hope. A new beginning gives us that fresh start. A new beginning says, you know what? What the devil's meant for evil. I'm not going to wallow in that. God's going to turn it. I know he can turn it. I'm believing he's going to turn it for good. Hallelujah. And, And it reminds us that it's never too late to make something out of our short and precious lives. We only have so many years that we're going to be living here on this earth and we don't need to spend them whining or rolling about in sorrow when we've got a God with a redemptive nature, a God that is a healer, but a God who is also marked as a creator with great creativity, and He has created us in His image. I say to you that I I believe that while we don't get the details of how to be guided in this, He shows us that it is His heart to renew us. And he brings us to this feast every year, celebrating the fact of renewal, celebrating the fact that we're not going to hold on to the old, but God's going to create a new thing. God's got yet greater things ahead of you. Yes, you've got a lot of sorrow, bullet point sorrow of the past, but that's not going to identify you. You may have some failures in the past, but that's not going to identify you. Your God is a creative God. He has created you in His image, and He's going to do something fresh and new in this new year. Hallelujah. So since we're created in the image of God, when we ourselves create something from nothing, we are participating in this ultimate, most essential and holiest of acts. Creativity may lack drama uh, of seemingly repairing the world, but it has the drama of repairing ourselves. God is calling you. He is calling forth for your creativity to come to the surface where we can create something. See, when we create, we're less likely to be angry, to gossip, to hurt someone, to feel resentful or fearful or lonely. Uh, I don't know about you, but think for a moment in your life where you've uh, experienced maybe your greatest satisfaction. Man, I think on this, and in cases even like now, as I prepare uh, this new message for you, I'm experiencing the fulfillment of making something from scratch. That my, my computer to this day has thousands and thousands of documents that were not there, that then someone else did not give me, but I, by the leading of the Spirit of God, created as I pulled together and put together study and put together messages that would inspire and messages that would instruct and messages that would uh, bring forth a transfer of heaven on earth by the anointing of God. See, see, a blank screen has turned, when it turns into this collection of thoughts and ideas that you can share with someone, it, it is just absolutely amazing. This, this kind of satisfa- satisfaction has no equals. 
I'm speaking this to you because I'm saying the Spirit of God is reminding you you're created in the image of your God. And your God is a creative God. And He has placed within you creativity and there are things yet to come out of you that you don't even realize the value of them, but God is calling you by faith to begin to act and move in the direction of bringing them to pass. And it doesn't matter what you create. You know, a a, a bookshelf, a poem, a a meal. Yeah, share it with our family. We'll we'll tell you whether it's good or not. Uh, You know, a a painting, a garden, a song, a friendship, a TV show, a story, a newspaper column, a business, just creating something new. And and what matters is that you, you, you took nothing and you turned it into something. You created a world. I rejoice at the fact of moving here in 1992 and having this uh, old, uh, uh, might would say, canvas that was laid here, left here, with a vision. Brother Jones had had a vision that, that God was going to raise up an international ministry that would reach around the world. And he gave it all the effort that he had. And when his health was failing and he moved on and others came in and maybe they didn't catch the vision or no, but this place shut down. And I remember coming here and, and, and the person that was showing me the property was apologizing for the condition it was in and, and I'm hearing what he says but, but the Spirit of God is stirring within me and I can see an international ministry and I can see through all of this a people like you right here tonight that would be gathered together that we would be worshiping God and studying the Word of God and going out and living the Word of God and raising families and new children would be born and marriages would come together and families would come together and that Spirit of God would lead those families because of what God was doing in and through this that would come to pass. And while people were saying it will never happen and others were saying you're a fool for wasting your time there and others said come on over here we've got a ministry already and we'll take care of you just leave that behind. I could not because of the creative, the creativity of God was saying, no, this may look like a blank canvas. It may look like there's nothing that can happen here. But God wanted something amazing to happen. Even under this night, He saw you. I couldn't see your faces, but He knew who would be here, here 27 years later. And I'm telling you, it is all about the renewal. This house is about, don't give up on God because God has not given up on you. This house is about God's got a new day. God's got a higher height. God's got a blessing for you. God's got a miracle for you. God's got a plan for you. This house is about Rosh Hashanah. A new year. A new start. A fresh start where God can be God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I want to give you several points to help you prepare for this new season. And the first one is that we must ask the Holy Spirit. Let me see. Let me just say it this way. Every one of these is going to be asking the Holy Spirit. Why do we say that? Because we're in the church age. and the church age, Jesus told His disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they've been endued from on high with what? Power. And on the day, the full day of Pentecost, when the feast was, that was fully come, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power. And that power working through them was the birth of the church. And we're in that church age, so we must depend on the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there may be denominations or churches out there that speak down on the Holy Spirit, and I cringe. I'm like, I, can't, I cannot understand other than them not being deceived by the enemy. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's important. It's so very important. It behooves you that I go and to the Father because if I don't go to the Father, you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the paracletos. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God who will not only be with you, but He will dwell in you and flow through you. So we ask the Holy Spirit as we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah, we ask Him to convict us of any offense. You need to invite the Holy Spirit to convict you of any area of your life where you've not been submitted to God. You want that. Why? Because Jesus said in John 16, it is to your advantage 
This is to your advantage. You will, you will see great advantage in this for me to go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come... He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus says it is to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit come and to convict us of any unrighteousness. If we're walking out of the path of God, if we're thinking or planning in any way that is outside of the will of God, God says, Jesus says it's to our advantage to have the Holy Spirit come and convict us and show us how to get back in step. Hallelujah. So we want to ask Him to cleanse you from waywardness of all sin and invite Him to come in and destroy your enemies and to help elevate the love and the unity that God has called you to. You want to ask the Holy Spirit to help you be aligned with God's perfect love and God's perfect will. You have assistance. You and I, we have divine assistance. See, we're coming into a new year, and it's like drawing back a, a bow and an arrow. You draw it back, and it is now being aimed at victory. It's aimed in this new season at a higher level. It's aimed at a blessed place. But if you are out of alignment and they release that bow, the arrow will be further off from its destination. So we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and convict us of any offense, of anything that may have us out of proper alignment with God's will for our lives. He's not going to come in and beat you down. He's not going to come in and curse you out. He's not going to come in and kick you around. He is, is to our advantage. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is coming for our advantage. In order for you to get where God wants you, to get where God's created you, to get where you so desire, we've got to find ourselves uh, to be challenged and, 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 and find ourselves that, with a sanctifying power, a work of God to trim off and properly align us so that we can be propelled into that amazing destiny. So we invite the Holy Spirit to do that. Secondly, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to increase His grace upon your life. See, it takes uh, time to fast and pray uh, for Yom Kippur because the next feast after a feast of Rosh Hashanah is going into the feast of uh, Yom Kippur, atonement, which is 10 days. And traditionally, as you study the Scripture, God would call them for a time of fasting so that they can fast and pray before the Day of Atonement. Fast and pray until you're confident that you're clothed with greater grace. See, there's a warfare for the next season, but you're coming out of a warfare now, and you've got to, you've got to fight in the realm that you can be victorious. And we're not called to fight flesh and blood. We're called to fight in the spiritual realm principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And prayer and fasting, believe it or not, does so much to destroy the onslaught attack of the enemy in the spiritual airways. There's great power there. And you plant yourself and you say, God, I am coming boldly to the throne of grace. You did everything to bring grace to me. It is amazing grace how I can be saved. It is amazing grace. It is because of your amazing grace that your son was willing to come. It was because of your amazing grace, Jesus, that you were willing to come. And now I come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a, in a time of need. So we need to, as we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah, we need, to, we need to understand grace. We need to embrace grace. We need to see that what God has done for us, which we could not do for ourselves, and receive that unto ourselves, declaring grace, grace, grace. Because grace is a key factor uh, in the victory that we have for the upcoming year. Then thirdly, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us of divine promises. 
that He would quicken to us the promises that God has given us in His Word. You know the Scripture very well, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises, how many of them? All of the promises of God are what? Yes and amen. And they are in Him. They are amen to the glory of God. Through who? Through us. The promises flowing through us is what brings glory to Him. So God is not withholding the promises from you. God gave you the promises. He's not teasing you with the promises. Every promise that you can find in the Word of God that He's given to you, it's yes and amen in Him, in and through Christ Jesus. And God wants it to flow through you. He wants that promise to manifest. He wants you to enjoy the fruit of the promise that has been given to you. So we have to ask the Holy Spirit to remind us of the divine promises. We're not going to let them go. It's God deserves the glory. And He gets glory when the promises are manifest through us. Hallelujah. So stand on these promises. Write these promises down. Meditate on the promises. Confess the promises. Because God said this. He says, My word shall go forth from my mouth, and it shall not return void unto me. Isaiah 55 and 11. And He says, But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper and do in the thing in which I sent them. How about go to the next screen? I think maybe we have that Scripture. If you want to... Uh, maybe I didn't get it on there. Sorry about that. Uh, but God says, I'm sending forth My Word from My mouth, and it shall not return unto Me void. But it shall accomplish what I sent it to do. It shall accomplish it. It shall prosper in the thing in which I sent it. You've got to hold on to that. You've got to by faith say, wait a minute, this is what God's Word. God has spoken this over me. God sent this Word over my family. God spent this, sent this Word over my life. And I am not going to let it die. I'm going to hold on to it. So we ask the Holy Spirit to remind us of the divine promises in God's Word. And then we also ask the Holy Spirit to uh, help us uh, prioritize our praise, assist us in prioritizing praise to God. The Bible says in Psalms 22 and 3 that God inhabits the praises of His people. That Yashab, that's that word inhabits in the Hebrew. God moves in in covenant power, covenant provision, covenant love. He moves in to show Himself strong and mighty where there is praise. So we need to prioritize our praise to God. We need to celebrate the opportunities we have coming corporately together because God said He loves for us to come corporately together. Forsake not the assembling together of the saints, He says, so that we, He loves that. When we come together and we activate by unity the exponential ten times the power when we come together and lift up glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving to God. But when we leave here, remember that God is worthy of our praise praise whether we're with a crowd or whether we're by ourselves. We can praise Him from our prayer closet. We can praise Him from our workroom. We can praise Him from the marketplace. We can praise Him in the highways and the byways. Our God deserves praise wherever there's breath. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And as we're moving into Rosh Hashanah, and if we want to be properly positioned so the propulsion of God will send us with acceleration into this new year and all that He has for us, we've got to, we've got to align ourselves in priority of prayer and praise. I love it. I was talking to uh, some of the worship team even here recently, and I was saying vertical worship and praise is so very important. Vertical worship to where it's not about me and not about my family and not about my mansion and not about you know my streets of gold and not about this, about the glory of God who is worthy. Worthy to receive glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving. The elders are ascribing it unto Him. The elders are saying, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. And uh, the angels or seraphim are singing, holy, 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 where we are prioritizing. Our God deserves the glory. Our God deserves the praise. We're not here for what we like. We're here for what He likes. And if we are created in His image uh, and He likes it, we're going to like it too. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then we want to, in preparation, we want to ask the Holy Spirit for Him 
to lead us in Holy Spirit-inspired prayers. That is so very, very important. The enemy has done more strategically to try and uh, nullify, frighten, scare, run off, whatever you want to say, this, this uh, portion of theology that God has for us. Because the enemy knows exactly, he knows this to be true. 1 Corinthians 14 and 4, Paul says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now he's, he's bringing correction to the church and saying, here the churches in Corinth is, it's, all, it's gotten all charismatic to the extreme. And we as people ha- tend to be like the pendulum. We go from one extreme to the other if we're not careful. Right? We either go, we're too cold and too reserved and too whatever, frozen chosen, or either we've got wildfire going over here, you know, so that we have that tendency. And the enemy tries to bring in fear, if you could say that, about the Holy Spirit. So here in the church of Corinth, they're having, they're having, uh, they can't even preach. They can't even teach the word. Here's these new Christians. The Holy Spirit's given word to be taught and instructions on how the church is to operate. And nobody can hear it because everybody wants to, to speak in tongues. Why do they want to speak in tongues? Because they saw the greatest power of heaven change earth on the day of Pentecost and it's changed their life. And they're just, they're just hooked on the high. They're hooked on it. There's nothing really bad about that. They're just hooked on it. But Paul said, wait a minute. Now, we've got to have some opportunity by the Holy Spirit inspiration to teach you the Word so that you can grow strong in the Word. He says, so let's, let's, I'm telling you this. He said, by the Holy Spirit, he says, in a service, two, at most three, if someone takes over the service, drawing everyone's attention to themselves to speak in an unknown tongue, then they must pray for the interpretation." They have a responsibility to give the interpretation because it will benefit no one if there's no interpretation. Then Paul goes on to say, tongues with interpretation benefit more the unbeliever, whereas words of prophecy uh, that are given in the language that everyone understands benefits the believers. So we're seeing this miracle of tongues and interpretation in a corporate setting where it draws all the attention, silences everyone except that person, then that is a miracle that God uses to touch and capture the unbeliever. We don't have to figure, we don't have to understand that and try to figure it all out because that's how God set it up. We just have to see that's how he set it up. But Paul goes on to say, listen, Please don't take this instruction as me saying you praying in the Spirit, you you speaking in tongues is not important. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. I speak in tongues, I sing in tongues, and I wish all of you would. Now, he was not trying to silence any corporate worship or corporate prayer where people would speak in tongues in a corporate setting. Like when we praise God corporately and we're all hallelujah, praise the Lord, everybody's just praising God, you know, that person's doing that person, and just it's like a concert, okay, that, that is not silencing everyone and having a solo in the house. So there's nothing wrong with you singing in the Spirit or praying in the Spirit, even out loud in a corporate time of prayer or a corporate time of worship. The only time that it has to have interpretation is when it is bringing a message to the body. Everybody be silent. I have a message from the Holy Spirit. Then it has to have interpretation. Now, now there's so many churches that's taken that and run over to the extreme. And if you speak in tongues, they say you're of the devil. How in the world could they say that? Well, they, I believe they called Jesus Beelzebub. Didn't the church of that day? Not the church, but the Pharisees of that day called Jesus Beelzebub. So, you know, don't get, don't get your underwear in a wad or whatever they say over that. That's just how the devil works. He's always trying to, he's afraid of what happens when the people of God function according to the plan of God. So, I, and here Paul is telling them, he says, when you speak in tongues, you are speaking in, in, between you and God, and he says it edifies you. 
That's why he says, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. I sing in the Spirit more than all of you. I wish you all would because it edifies you. And the word edifies there, orkodomio, come, is a Greek word that means to be built up on a foundation, to establish, to repair, to restore, to build, to rebuild, to, to, to charge like a battery. It has all those variations of meaning. So he who speaks in a tongue edifies is charged like your battery's being charged. Or it's like being built up, restored, and rebuilt back to your original. It's like a rusty frame where they cut out the rusty part and put in a, a fresh new metal there that can hold that frame together. Or wood that is rotted out and the, the contractor goes in and tears out the rod and puts in fresh uh, you know, salt-treated uh, two-by-sixes or two-by-eights that's stronger than it's ever been. That's what he says the Holy Spirit does. He ed- you are being edified. The Holy Spirit edifies you when you pray in the Spirit, when you sing in the Spirit. So you need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in Holy Spirit-inspired prayers and know that this is the will of God for you. Some people have asked me before, Pastor, how in the world, after 27 years, three to four times a week, you're sharing the Word of God, that you always have something fresh? How is it? And I said, well, I first want to thank you for saying that. That encourages me deeply, greatly. Yes, I appreciate that. I said, but if you just knew the time that I spend praying in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit, I sing in the Spirit, and I get a download in my spirit, man. Things in me that was broken get fixed. Things that was weak get strengthened. Things in me that maybe got warped, it gets replaced with something that's no longer warped. And I'm stronger, and I'm at 54. I feel better than I did when I was 24. I feel stronger. I feel smarter. I feel more alive. And it's not that I'm that great in myself, but I tell you what, I serve a great God, and I will not cease, and I will not mute the, the access of the river of heaven flowing through this body it's bringing forth heaven's power, heaven's wisdom, heaven's anointing. It is the Holy Spirit. He gets the credit. It is the Holy Spirit. So you must invest in and build and move in what God is showing you because it is so, so very important for you to act in faith, act in what God is showing you. For as the spirit is dead with the body is dead without the spirit, so faith is dead without works. And the Holy Spirit will empower you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will strengthen you as He reveals clear strategy for the new year. So the reason you're leading, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you in Holy Spirit-led prayers is in that He is revealing to you clear strategies for this new year. He is, he, is, he is priming you. He is preparing you. He is shaving off what needs to be shaved off, trimming off what needs to be trimmed off, shoring up what needs to be shored up, and getting you in position to propel you with, with an acceleration into what God has for you. I hear it, acceleration. The first miracle that Jesus ever, ever performed was a miracle of acceleration. If you remember, it was at a wedding, and there they had now run out of the good grape juice and that stuff that they could only have as a precious few moments of time in that culture before it began to rot, and, uh, and they've run out of that. But all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Jesus' mother is telling the disciples, you do what he tells you to do, and Jesus says, go get some water, and they're pouring the water. The Bible says that water was turned into that new wine. And, and instead of rain coming, being evaporated up and getting into the clouds and the rain by the winds pushing the clouds over the land and dropping that rain into the earth to germinate the seeds that had been planted and those seeds to, to, to grow and to bud and to burst forth and then to climb up the, the vines and climb up and make themselves uh, ready for the sun over the harvest seasons to come and, and to cause it to mature and, and the energy to be absorbed and all of a sudden, you know, take years later, being able to give mature fruit, all of that took place in less than a second as water is being poured out into wine. Our God is a God of acceleration. Our God is a God of acceleration. And as I was saying Sunday with the, the, the power of agreement, 
and how important that is, the, 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 this power, law of agreement, where we come together and, and agree. God says, you believe touching anything on earth, it shall be granted for you for my Father in heaven. Jesus said, if two of you believe, come in agreement and believe whatever you ask my Father, He's going to give to you. The power of agreement, talking about covenant, us coming together in covenant. And as we come together in covenant, Jesus does a miracle of acceleration at a wedding. It is the very epitome of covenant. The very covenant that reflects and shows us the relationship of Father uh, of Jesus with the church, the bride of Christ. And here Jesus is doing an acceleration. I tell you, if we'll come in agreement with the Word of God, if we'll come in agreement as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah, if we'll come in agreement, not just one of us, not just three of us, but all of us can be propelled into this great uh, new year that God has for us with acceleration that we will see in six days what it would have normally taken six months to accomplish. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move in to this new year. Hallelujah. And then finally, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh and anew with power and with wisdom so that we can fulfill His will, His purpose, His, His plan with, for our lives. This is a new year we're going into beginning sundown this Sunday. And it will be on God's calendar the year 5,780. And as we come into this year, this is what God would want for us. Do not call on the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, this is God talking. He's talking to you. Stop looking at the limitations of yesterday. Stop looking at the reports that you've heard over and over that this is what you've got. This is the limitation you have. This is a certain percentage you're operating at. This is the financial limitations you have. Whatever it is, he says, do not call to mind the former things. It's time for you to push that aside. Don't ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. I'm going to do something new in this Rosh Hashanah, in this new year, in this Feast of Trumpets, uh, and I will spring forth. And will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. I will call rivers to come in the desert. There's nothing you're looking at that I can't take care of. A desert can't have a river, but I'm God, and I'll bring a river in your desert. I'm telling you, he said, a wilderness doesn't have a roadway, but I'm God, and I'll bring a roadway in the wilderness. I'll bring you in. I'll bring you through. I'll bring you over. I'll bring you out, because I want to bring you up to a whole nother level. Hallelujah. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. So we want to look at these seven again. Put that screen up, all seven. Holy Spirit, convict us of any offense, anything wrong, anything out of order, any unforgiveness, any malice, anything, anything. Convict us, Lord, that if it doesn't line up with your word, and your will for my life. Show me. And Holy Spirit, increase your grace. The grace of the Father. The grace of the Son. And the grace of the Holy Spirit upon my life. Grace. Boldly I come to your grace. And remind me of your divine promises. You said I shall live and not die to declare, to declare the works of the Lord. You said I shall be the head and not the tail. And above only and not beneath. You said, I shall be blessed coming in and blessed going out. This is what you said. You promised. You promised that you sent your word and healed all my diseases. And these are the benefits and the benefits as you've delivered me. You've prepared me to be prospered for all your glory and for all your honor. Remind me of your divine promises. And assist me, Lord, in prioritizing my praise to you. Prioritizing. Oh God, help me stop looking at how I can be lifted up. And I can start looking at how I can lift you up. Oh, if you be lifted up, you will draw all men. Oh God, help me to see how to better lift you up. To better live my life that brings glory and honor and praise to you. And Lord God, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would lead me. Not to be afraid, no matter what I was brought up with. 
Oh, I was brought up. Oh, my goodness, you pray in the Holy Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. You pray with unknown tongues. You're of the devil. That's how I was brought up. And that church led me to the place at 17. I tried to commit suicide. But I saw the right hand of God physically come into my life and save me within, the, within a second before I died. And then a preacher in a, in a Pentecostal church just two Sundays later starts preaching out Isaiah 41 and 10 saying the Holy Spirit, he prays in the Spirit. And then he says, yes, Holy Spirit. Isaiah 41, 10, that's what he needs. Okay, so he begins preaching it to the whole congregation. But there I'm sitting, the right hand of God, which is mighty to save. Isaiah 41 and 10. And he starts talking about the right hand of God saves your life. The right hand of God reaches in no matter how deep, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult the situation, he'll reach right in. And I put a hand up and I looked at my thumb and I said, that was a right hand. I'm telling you what, I knew right then that God was real and God speaks by His Holy Spirit. And since then, I've learned to pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit probably more than all of you and not to brag on it, just to encourage you that there is amazing insight and wisdom and download and, and edification that the Spirit of God does when we pray in the Spirit or sing in the Spirit. And Holy Spirit reveal these clear strategies for the new year. That, that creative nature of God in you to create. There's things yet to be created. This world's going to be left off better because you were here, because you're going to take a blank, a blank canvas. And it doesn't, I'm talking about drawing or painting necessarily, but just figuratively, you're going to take a blank canvas and you're going to write. You're going to create, you're going to build, you're going to design, you're going to come up with an idea, you're going to come up with a business, something in you. You say it's too late. God says it's not too late. Your wilderness is going to see a roadway. Your desert is going to see a river. Hallelujah. And then let this be our prayer. Fill us, Holy Spirit, afresh. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your power and with your wisdom. And I can promise you this. If you'll take these seven steps of preparation for Rosh Hashanah this Sunday, get ready, get ready. This year, get ready, get ready. I'm telling you, you're going to experience and see and walk in and know and talk about and, 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 and live through some of the most amazing times that have yet been recorded in the history of man. And it's going to come from heaven on earth through your life. Through your life through your life. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Father, we stand in your presence even now. We pray, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Lord, we don't want to go into this new year a wilderness. We don't want to go into this new year, Lord God, a desert. Lord, we want to be preparing ourselves right now for a roadway and for a river a roadway by your design, and a river that flows from the very throne of God that has healing everywhere it goes. Hallelujah. So Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now to teach us, to show us, to convict us, to guide us, direct us, to remind us the promises, to lead us. Spirit prayers, spirit-led prayers. And fill us afresh and fill us anew. Hallelujah. 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 If you want to say here this evening that I want to make it known to God that I want all of Him and He can have all of me. And I want to be filled to overflowing rivers of living water flowing out of my belly. I don't want to be, I don't want to be just full. I don't want to be just soaked. I want to be overflowing with the Spirit of God. I make myself a vessel of honor to be used by God. I want to be totally submerged, totally surrendered, totally given in, totally yielded to the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to lift up your hands now and say, Lord, here, is I, here I am, Lord God. Take me, use me, fill me, anoint me, guide me, direct me, cleanse me, forgive me, Lord God. Lead me this night. Lead me as I go forward 
for it. I give you my life. I surrender my all. Just lift your hands to him and say, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. I am yours, Lord. I give myself away. I give myself to you. Going into this new year, Lord God, count on me. Count me in. Tell him right now, God, count me in. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Guide me, Holy Spirit. Love me, Holy Spirit. Lord, I want all of you. Take me. Take me, Lord. I want all of you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. To you be the glory. To you be the honor. And to you be the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You yielded to God vessels of honor. How about turn to somebody and love on them in the name of Jesus. Give somebody a hug. Give somebody a high five. Give somebody a handshake. And use your words to bless them in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Hallelujah.